0: Outdoors with your host Drew Kirby. Yeehaw! Okay, okay. Holy oh cow. Yeah, I have your attention, please. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Raleigh Green. I'm Travis Denny. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Ah, uh, this is Craig Morgan. And you're listening to Wyoming Hookin' and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. Hey, welcome in.
1: Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Coming back every week and tuning in and listening online, you can listen on demand at the My Country 95.5 app or at mycountry 955com Last week, it was very timely. We talked uh, about living in large carnivore country, and if you missed that show, you need to go back and relive that. As uh, Justin Benfit, who was on the show again today, uh, was telling us, how to react and respond and prepare for uh, bears and mountain lions coming in the area. Go check that show out and all of our other programs there. Big show today, uh, like I said, Game and Fish in. Brian and I sit and chat about fishing, and we've got uh, archery season just a couple of months away, and we're talking about natural disasters and how it affects animals we'll get to it
0: have you hooked a big fish or harvested a beast of an animal let us know all about it at the my country mobile app you're listening to Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors my country 955 between hooking and hunting outdoors on my country 955.
1: Welcome back in and of course, Wyoming Game and Fish Department with us, Janet and uh, Justin. You guys, uh, two weeks in a row, we get you a benefit. Uh, What's up with that?
2: I mean, you guys should feel so privileged.
1: (laughs) Uh, There's a lot going on right now and we're into the middle of June. So things are starting to heat up around all of central Wyoming and, you know, the drought has been the conversation over the last few years, but I kind of wanted to touch on that now because we've had a pretty wet spring, I feel, don't you guys?
2: Yeah, Drew, you know, you're right. I mean, it's, things have have, have kind of turned the corner a little bit. So, you know, just a little background on that. We, we uh, we've, the last couple of years in, in most of the state have been under extraordinary drought conditions Some folks in the Casper area don't quite always see that because Casper, um, if folks recall, was pretty darn wet and green last year. In fact, there was green grass even into August in the Casper and Glen Rock Douglas areas. But once you got just a little bit west, north, southeast, basically, I mean, um, most of the state was in really extraordinary drought conditions the last two years. And as we went through this winter with pretty light snow um, going into March and even early April, things were... We're looking like it was going to be yet another third consecutive year of of pretty miserable drought, and thankfully, beginning in late April and throughout May and early June, we've uh, we've had some pretty good moisture and some cool temps on top of it, and you know that does a lot of good things. Those cool temps it kind of slows grasses from heading out; it's they continue to grow. That sort of thing. Snow comes off the mountain a whole lot slower, so uh, a little more sustained water in the creeks and things like that. So 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 far things are on the up and up.
1: So, when we don't have that moisture, that's kind of when the disease starts firing up for a, a lot of these animals, right?
2: So, there's a couple things there. So, so, first and foremost, the impacts of drought on our wildlife mostly stem from a lack of forage production. And so is what happens when when you have kind of a poor forage production year and especially successive years, you get these compounding effects of drought And is what you can have, The most important thing and especially when it pertains to things like big game like our deer and elk or deer antelope populations is is mom needs to be in good nutritional condition to have healthy fawns and so in these drought years when you have the energetic demands of lactation and things like that that can really um be hard on those on those um, nursing moms and and then as they enter those winters you um you know they're in poorer physical condition as they get through the winter and then yet another year of pregnancy, um, when we when we see those those moms in poor nutritional condition, we see lower birth weights in their fawns, lower survival, that sort of thing, and so those effects can compound into future years, and so. So really, we need a few good wet years in a row to really get back to, to where we'd like to be with a lot of farm production.
1: You know, speaking about the, the young wildlife and the young deer and antelope, this time of year, they've been dropping and there's been stories all over where some people will try to help those youngsters, uh, but they really don't need to do that.
3: You know, Drew, some of my favorite um, wildlife stories and and they're not good stories but you know are the pictures of the bison in the back of the Toyota Sequoia hanging out with the dogs as, as the family, you know, helped rescue this bison. And really what happens is they just signed their death warrant. And, um, you know, wildlife has this amazing adaptation where they all kind of drop their young the same time of year, the same week, actually, um, in a span of just a couple weeks there. And and that's just to make sure that they can protect themselves from a lot of the, the prey that might be out after them, sorry, the predators that might be out after the prey. And so um, mamas drop them and then they kind of can go over the hill and graze and they can keep the, the antelope fawn, for example, down on the ground underneath the sagebrush. And she knows exactly where that baby is. Don't forget that. But you might not see her because she might just be over the hill. People think that they're doing really good things by going in and rescuing this little tiny fawn that they see there alone, when in fact now the mom doesn't know where it is. She can't find her fawn because it's been moved. It's been brought to the Game and Fish office. Whatever the scenario might be, is, is um, it, it can be difficult for those, those newborns and they're best just left
2: alone. It's not just fawns. It can be baby rabbits. It can be baby birds. You know, every year, caspers always do for some for some great horned owls that that like to pick a strategic, busy place to, to nest. And then when they're little, they're, I shouldn't say little because an owl fledgling um, is pretty darn big, but then they fly down on the ground. They don't have the strength to get back up in the nest. They're too big to get back up in the nest um, or or the, the cavity or wherever they came from. And then... And then, uh, yeah, mom and dad have to feed them on the ground, and we get hundreds of phone calls some years on on some of these owls because folks think they've been abandoned or or things like that. And it's always like Janet said, it's always folks with good intentions, but but we we always like to remind folks just just realize, hey, um, this is part of nature and. These are how these animals evolve.
3: So. You know, we do appreciate the phone calls. Give us a heads up. If you do see a deer fawn in the parking lot, hanging out in the parking lot of the beacon, um, you know, that's not the best place to be. And we have had that before. We can just move the deer right off out of the parking lot and everything always seems to be okay. But but bringing it in to us at the office or or something along those lines may not be the best answer.
1: Very good. If you have any questions, you can hit us up in the My Country 95.5 app or call Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Guys, thanks.
3: Thanks, Drew.
0: Thanks, Drew. The Wyoming Hookin' and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5.
1: It's Drew and Brian, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And uh, Brian, I'll tell you, we haven't even really started summer, <laughs> but it feels like we we sure have. And we'll be waiting for fall to get here before we know it. And that means archery season and a lot of the results have already come back for for ta- for licenses.
4: Oh, yeah. We've seen a lot of smiles and a lot of tears this last week with the uh, draw results. But uh, overall, I mean, they, they uh, cut a bunch of antelope and deer tags, but we've seen uh, a lot of guys that are fortunate enough to get their the elk tags and the deer tags and uh so if you're planning on uh, that fall hunt now's the time to start planning
1: yeah of course uh, you guys have a, a great bow section and archery section and even you have the uh the archery range here at the store that people come get uh, sighted in and tuned up
4: yeah, we're already seeing quite a few people coming in, and, um, you know, they waited to see what the, the draw results were going to provide for them. And now that uh, the results are out, we've got uh, guys coming in and purchasing their new bows, and uh, we've got everything we need to get you set up, check your draw length, set your, your sights, get your quivers uh, mounted, um, get the rest of the leveled out. And we've got a twenty-yard range. So uh, with every bow purchase, we give you a thirty-day pass. So you got thirty days to come in and shoot in the evenings or the mornings or whenever, whenever you fe- uh, feel fit. But uh, get comfortable with that twenty-yard range, and our guys are here to help you. What
1: if I don't buy a, a, a bow here? Can I still come in and use that range?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. We, um, I think we charge three dollars a day to you know, and That you can sit here all day if you want for three bucks, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great time to at least. Get that bow out and, you know, make sure things are, are uh, working properly and, and we can help you get those things adjusted.
1: You know, we, we've been talking a lot about uh, the hunting ammunition and, you know, kind of slow rolling on that. In the archery field, is there much on the, the slow side or is everything pretty stocked?
4: well we um we kind of made early commitments this year we didn't want to be stuck like previous years where uh we were waiting on shipping or manufacturers getting stuff into the states or whatever it took so we've um we kind of committed did an early year commitment on most of this stuff so we're sitting in really really good shape on the archery side of things but uh like you know like once uh once these seasons kicks in you know we're gonna we'll start running running down
1: all right so it's a good idea get in here and get your archery stuff uh start looking at some of your hunting equipment and i mean we are really just seriously starting summer but hiking and getting out on the water is still really popular right now
4: yeah right now i mean we're full force on uh, the fishing side of things for sure so uh, that's really heating up and trekking poles and uh, camelbacks and water filtration systems, a lot of our camping supplies, cots, chairs, tents, uh, all that stuff is, is really moving good right now.
1: You know, in, in this area, there's so many things to, to do outdoors where, you know, if you were going to drive to Yellowstone, maybe your, your plans change, you can come in here and, and really find any kind of outdoor excitement or outdoor uh, task that you want to get into this year.
4: Yeah, we're going to see a lot of that, you know, people had plans to Yellowstone or even some other parts of the area of the country that, you know, maybe were affected with some of the storm runoff and uh, and gas prices just, just kind of keeping people closer. So uh, we're seeing a lot of a lot of people staying near home and uh, maybe a little more trips to the lake or a few more trips up Casper Mountain. But uh, we've got what you need to get you set up for sure,
1: and that includes Traegers. Uh, you guys got a full line of Traegers, and if you're going to stay home, you might as well eat like a king.
4: Yeah, that's right. We uh, we actually barbecued for the uh, for the employees today, and uh, we're looking forward to. I think it is June uh, July second. We're going to do a Traeger barbecue grill. Um, promo here at the store. We also have uh, some other specials coming up, and we're going to have a factory rep here uh, smoking away out there.
1: Uh, nice. Well, don't forget that July 2nd. Uh, of course, obviously, you can come in, get your fishing license, get all your uh, necessary needs here at uh, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, CY Avenue, right here in Casper.
0: In it and hunting outdoors, my country, 95.5. You know, fishing season is...
1: Well, it's underway. I mean it's always fishing season. If you can get out on a boat or get out on the water, it's it's always fishing season, right, Brian?
4: It's always fishing season, especially in Wyoming. If we're if we're not open water, we're on the hard ice, so but uh, fortunately we're on the open water now
1: there's a lot of tournaments happening i i know that uh you know you've got another one coming up next weekend and uh you know there's there's the new league that's starting soon Mm -hmm. and a lot of the uh, the walleye fishermen are really kind of geared up right now does that put strain on on the walleye i know that you know you were down in Glendo last week and it seemed like maybe it was a little slow at times but it it was also hot
4: yeah i mean the 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 one thing about fish is that they move and their patterns are really different, just depending on water conditions, weather conditions, storm fronts, barometric pressure. I mean, that's, uh, it's kind of like, I, I really reference it like elk hunting. You know, we can look up on Casper mountain and we know there's elk up there, but we don't know where they're at, but we know they're there. So we got to hunt them down. Right. And and sometimes they're going to be bedded down. Sometimes they're going to be feeding and the, at least you know with the fish i mean we just can't see them they're they're under underwater and they're doing things that we don't know so um yeah with the you know there's been quite a few tournaments down there. there's been a lot of just regular local traffic down there uh but the fishing's still good and um i know you you and i got to fish a little bit and we were kind of fishing for big fish which is different than just fishing for fish right um and uh so uh the, yeah, the the pressure. I don't think really has too much of an impact on it. You know, most of uh, the big tournaments are all catch and release. So uh, even though maybe we're educating them a little bit, um, I don't think they're looking at our worm and saying, "I'm not biting that one." <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and, and again, <laughs> they're fish. I mean, their brains are about that
4: big, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, yeah, our next our next event's up at Pathfinder, and Pathfinder, you know, is uh, is always always a little tricky. You know. Um, we don't. They don't manage that reservoir for walleyes at all. Uh, the trout population always seems like it's pretty good, and um, the walleyes are always, you know, kind of a kind of a fun species to chase after because they are kind of a, more difficult and more finicky.
1: So that at that point in Pathfinder, it's more of an actual fishing. It's not a catching event.
4: Yeah, I mean, Glinda, for the last five, six weeks, has been a catching event. I mean, you can go down there in most cases, catch, you know, 20 to 50 fish a person pretty easily.
1: I I don't know that we really talk enough about and that's the the limits that people Uh have, because that's really important. That gets you in trouble if you're running around with too many fish.
4: Yeah, like Wyoming, especially on the walleye side, has a six-fish limit in most most reservoirs. Um, there's a few exceptions, uh, such as Buffalo Bill, Alcova, a few other areas. But a uh, six-fish possession limit, and that's not a not a daily possession limit. That's just a possession limit. So technically, if you've got two fish in your freezer at home you can catch four or more you know and and until until you get rid of the two at home but it's six fish there's no no two day possession limit that's a big misconception for a lot of people so be sure you're watching what those those possession limits are in the bodies of water you're in.
1: Well, I'll tell you that uh, being out in just a little bit that I have already this, this summer and, and seeing the joy that fishing puts on people and, and really the, the game plans and the, the skill and, and everything that goes into it is, is fun to watch.
4: I you know the tournament the tournament stuff is it's just like anything else whether you whether you play darts or shoot pool or yeah. race cars I mean it's you know it's it, it's a fun hobby and it 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 uh, if you like the competition side of it, it 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 adds that that element of it also and uh, there's definitely some strategy to it you know I mean there's not. You know, there's a lot of places on a a reservoir to fish and trying to pick the best ones and how long you spend at each each location, what presentation you use. Uh, There's a lot to it.
1: So, and also uh, river fishing, I've been driving up and down and seeing a lot of people out on the river. So really, I mean, fishing all over is good right now
4: it's really good um they just bumped up the flows through uh the north Platte through casper so we're seeing i think it was close to 2000 uh, this week coming through there which we'd only been seeing about 500 so nice to have the little bit extra water going downstream but that just means that we're emptying out reservoirs up above so um pathfinder reservoir is uh dropping right now i think they're filling uh, semino and uh, i think glendo for the most part has been stable but uh, once uh, Nebraska starts calling for, for water for all the, the ranchers and farmers down there, we'll start seeing Glendo drop as well.
1: Well, uh, make sure you get out and, and enjoy the opportunities we have fishing here. And, of course, if you need any gear, come on in and check them out at Rocky
0: Mountain Discount Sports. Filming hooking, and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5.
1: Find out more about all of our episodes on demand at the My Country 95.5 app. Now, this time of year, very busy for the Mule Deer Foundation as it's time to get out and do some work in the field. And while the weather's nice, take advantage of all that. And Randy Morrison is the Habitat Partnership Coordinator. And Randy, you guys sure are busy this time of
5: year. And I appreciate you taking some time away. Well, you're very welcome, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, this is our, our field season, as it were, and uh, we are very busy uh, throughout uh, mule deer range doing habitat restoration projects and research uh, on migration corridors and uh fawn survival rates and and so on so this is our busy time of the year um, there's no question about that
1: you know I was just watching a video this morning where they uh, put a camera on uh, on, a, on a doe and watched this doe on during migration until she dropped her her fawns and and it's very exciting and, and important the work that that mule deer foundation does and, and
5: I mean really is it's pretty exciting. I, I agree it's it's actually very exciting and we're learning uh, so much more than, than we uh, ever have before and many things that are truly a surprise uh, one of the things that we're finding in migration routes is you know there is a summer range and a winter range uh, which we've always known but there are some stopover ranges along the way that are used twice a year both coming and going uh, where some deer spend a great amount of time some deer spend a very short amount of time, but uh, historically those were not areas that were paid a lot of attention to by game managers uh just because no one really knew how much time the deer spent there. Uh, and now those are, are equally as important as the summer and winter ranges, and we're now really starting to uh, focus on them as well to uh, try and improve those habitats so that the the corridors are um, but more beneficial from start to finish.
1: One of the things that I, I want to get in on now is we just had those horrific floods up in Yellowstone and southern Montana and Idaho. So we're in the process now where a lot of these deers are in their summer areas. Hey, you were just talking about that. Uh, will they be impacted by those the flooding there because of the fact that there are a lot of places there
5: that are now washed out? Typically, uh, things like floods are not uh, terribly impactful to especially large ungulates, uh, unless unless one of them got you know caught up in uh, a flash flood or tried to cross a river that was too high and ended up being swept away and ground. You know that is a possibility for an individual, but as a herd or as a group of animals, it's really not that much of an issue. Because typically they just move away from the flooded area while it is flooding, and as the water recedes, they move back in.
1: On the other end of that spectrum, we were talking about water, but now that we're in the summertime and things dry out and wildfires start, you're in California, so you know really well about fires that have gone and destroyed uh, habitats. Absolutely. Are mule deer affected by that? Because obviously it's a little different than a flood because, I mean, their entire habitat could be demolished. Uh, It can. And
5: uh, fires are the spectrum of good to bad. Uh, Many uh, wind-driven fires that really get going hot, uh, that burn not with a, a consistent fire line, can be uh, catastrophic for groups of animals that might get trapped, meaning be surrounded by active fire and there's nowhere for them to go and they succumb and uh, they are lost. In a general sense for the, the herds in general, uh, they move out of the way of the fire. Um, oftentimes they'll circle right back around behind it and come back in behind it into the burned ground. Sometimes if they come in too quickly, uh, they can actually do damage to their feet and legs because of the, the heat that's still in the ground. And if a a large swath of habitat is burned up completely and the fire is very hot, it can have catastrophic effects on um a given deer herd for a period of time
1: well we've talked flooding and we've talked fire but there's another natural disaster natural weather pattern that is really more damaging to mule deer and that's winter
5: absolutely um winters that um, you know in 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 our our rocky mountains are in most cases our deer uh winter in a particular small uh, area where there's less snow uh, and if they are in a wintering ground and we get a really heavy deep snow and it gets really cold uh, we have had situations where a large number of deer starve um, they just they just don't make it If if we get real heavy snow that can be devastating for, um, you know, big portions of our deer herds. And I'm sure, as I'm sure everybody has seen from time to time, uh, we'll see our our deer herd numbers or our estimates from our uh, game and fish departments where, you know, we might lose a third of our deer herd in any given year as a result of a harsh winter. And, you know, those have much more devastating effects herd wide than just about any other natural disaster.